0: From Wrap Your Head Around Silks, this is the Expecting Aerials Podcast. Hey guys, happy to have you. Happy Memorial Day to all of you in the U.S. Hope you're having, hope you had a great weekend. Before we get started in the show notes, there's a link to get straight to your inbox. The new three-part video series, Aerial Rehab. Check it out there. And also the mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks. And today we have back Jeannie Hunt Gibbon of Veggie Lush Nutrition. She is a registered dietitian and came on the pod a week or so ago to talk about fertility and nutrition. And today we're getting into nutrition for prenatal and postpartum periods. All right, guys, let's get started.
1: Yeah, um, so once you are pregnant right um, the first thing you have to deal with is usually morning sickness I know I had a, a fair amount um, that ginger has actually been studied um, to be helpful for it so one thing I say is stock up in some ginger tea um, get some fresh ginger get some ginger ale things like that just to, but real ginger ale not like the kind, not Canada Dry, because it really just doesn't have enough in it to do anything. Um, and this is the only time I'm going to ever recommend having a sugar-sweetened beverage like that. But it's it's really helpful when during that first really difficult time, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say... That first trimester, I, I would never say like, oh, you have to eat like kale salads and, you know, I don't know, roasted chicken and whatever, because it's really hard. Right. That's a, that's a really hard time. Um, so I would say eat what you can and what you can tolerate during that time. Um, prioritize protein. Protein's really important. Right. Protein is what we're all made of. All of our tissues. Right. All of our organs, all of that stuff is made of protein. Um, So if we can get as much high quality protein in during that first trimester as possible, it's really important. Um, So obviously meat is very protein dense, um, legumes, nuts and seeds, um, all of our beans and uh, things like tofu, especially if you're plant based. Um getting a more dense source of protein like tofu, seitan, a meat substitute, hopefully less processed one um is really important as well um, so prioritizing protein it also seems to help with uh with the nausea and stuff to have more protein uh even though we we really crave carbs during this time. I feel like that comfort food and you want carbohydrate. Um, but just making sure you try to have a little bit of protein with carbs. Like I would just try to like put peanut butter on stuff. And it was hard for me because I didn't all the veggies that I love and eat every day. I didn't really want, I wanted like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, stuff and mac and cheese. Um, so, but I would just put in whatever, anything that like uh, frozen peas uh, on top of the mac and cheese so that I could like sneak in some protein right tofu I could still tolerate tofu so I would put tofu on stuff <laughs> uh so like, what I, is I've ideal my food.
0: my nutritionist had told me that like the palm of my hand sized piece of protein on my plate
1: Yeah, that's true for meat. Um, It's like a deck of cards or a palm of your hand is right. Um, For You can do a little bit more when it comes to like beans because beans have some carb in them. Um, So you can do like a little larger serving than, you know, the palm of your hand. Um, You know, I I don't usually give exact proportions because it's partially up to you and what – You know how much activity you do and stuff, but our plates. um, I might have said this before, but our plates are about a quarter protein, about a quarter carbohydrate, and about half veggies is the ideal. Given that I know during the first trimester, that's kind of difficult. That can be difficult. (laughs) Um, Eggs are another great idea for that choline um, and protein, right? So, um, choline really important for the brain development of the baby Um, and uh, getting that protein in is also important. Iron becomes really important at this time. So if you can tolerate meat, eating some meat, if not getting those leafy greens uh, cooked with citrus or other vitamin C sources, um, which is like a lot of colorful veggies have vitamin C too. Jeannie, Um, if you do a
0: salad and you don't have a a food-based vitamin C, if you take a supplement with your meal, is that the same?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would think, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it all goes the same place, right? It's all, yeah, it's all, I'm trying to think of any reason why not. Um, no, I think that would do the same to help you absorb. Okay. The and mineral then minerals.
0: this is also a question for me. Is, is there like a, for a regular sized person, is there like, okay, if you eat this many eggs, that's too many
1: not really I mean I would say two three a day um it it really depends especially with the cholesterol in particular some people are more sensitive than others okay um but two three a day is usually good uh you know you probably don't want to go a lot above that just because they're also not like the greatest source of protein The, the egg yolk like I said has a lot of uh, vitamins in it, but, you know, there's other really good sources of protein out there. Like, um, you know, fish, chicken, tofu, those you want to like trade those in at some point too.
0: Okay. Yeah. I get some, this, I haven't been in this habit for a long time, but sometimes I would like boil a bunch of eggs and just keep them in my fridge so that, you know, if I need like a quick snack and I would just, I would just eat them like, and I was like, Whoa, this is too easy. For some reason, <laughs> eating a boiled egg is much, like, different than, like, scrambling two eggs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would just mm-hmm. go faster. Anyways, just thought I would ask just for me. Um, I actually
1: think it's a good snack, though. I, yeah. Although, did you eat them by themselves? Sometimes I'll say, like, I'm okay, have it. it as a snack, but I'm have, like, it. some crackers. Yes,
0: I would eat them by themselves. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah, if you if you think of it as part of a snack... Um, and then maybe have like a little bit of carb and stuff with it It too. It might be less easy to eat like a ton of them.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. And this is the other thing that, um, Jeannie had said to me and Kelly, like sometimes eating something by itself, not by yourself, (laughs) we might want to like make sure that we pair these foods with other things. And also the whole thing about having a complete protein, right?
1: yeah um so the complete protein thing um you want to get all your amino acids right so amino acids are the things that build up proteins there's a certain number of them that are essential which means our bodies can't make them we do want to get them all throughout the day now any animal based protein has them all um has all those essential amino acids oh i see okay um but uh the only one things that don't like beans usually don't have all of the essential amino acids. That's okay because like rice has the others um, and stuff. And you don't have to, there was this old school thought that you had to eat them all at once. Oh, that's not, you just
0: have to have
1: them. You just have to have them like throughout your day um, in general, like throughout your diet. So if you ate, you know, all beans and one, like, let's say you had a chili (laughs) or something, it's, it's fine. In your next meal or two, you're going to get the other ones likely. And, you know, you could go out of your way to make sure you had some rice in those, but, you know, you're likely going to get it anyway.
0: So did that get debunked or did it just get specified at some point? Because I heard that, like, if you don't eat rice with your beans, you're not getting your amino acids. That's not yeah, true. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, technically it's true. You're not getting all of the essential amino acids, but I think the we realize that's not important to have all in one meal because our bodies are super dynamic, right? Like our bodies are really good at being like, okay, I just got, you know, methionine in this meal or whatever it is, um, using that for its own thing. And then the next meal you're getting the other, I don't know, cysteine or whatever, um, all those other amino acids and it's using those for the other things. Like it's not going to go into emergency mode and I guess assume that you're you're never gonna get the other as- amino acids again,
0: <laughs> well, along the same line, would you say for those vegan and vegetarian prenatal ladies they have to just be super mindful?
1: um, I would say that it's important to be mindful, yes, um although I would say it is for everybody um I think it's it is funny and um plant-based eating is actually another one of my specialties. Um and it has just been shown recently I just want to say by um the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and a couple other organizations have said it's fine to be plant-based throughout your pregnancy. Um so that's that's totally possible and healthy. There are certain nutrients that you have to be conscious of. A lot of the same ones we're talking about though, like iron for instance, right? It's really easy to get iron from meat sources. So if you're not eating meat, um, it's definitely important to get iron from other sources like beans, leafy greens. Um, now there's even though, um, like impossible meat has what's called heme iron, which is the type of iron in, uh, meat. So it's more absorbable and closer to like our, um, biological iron that we use, right? We use heme iron in our body to get oxygen throughout our body. So there's a lot of options out there, um yeah, you, you do have to be a little bit more conscious of certain nutrients. So choline is another one that's a little bit difficult to get, especially on a fully plant-based diet. Um, because a lot of the sources are like eggs and chicken and stuff, um, and like organ meats anyway. So if you're not eating that, I, I recommend a good prenatal vitamin that has choline in it. Like I said, Oh, I didn't even finish my thought about prenatal. (laughs) <laughs> the other thing in your prenatal that is good, and actually this is throughout pregnancy too, so this is a good thing to add, is omega-3s. Uh, specifically the DHA form of omega-3 um, is important for fetal brain development as well. Uh, so it's nice when your prenatal has it built in. It doesn't have to, you can take it separately, but now I've noticed a lot of prenatals are adding it in. So it might as well get like, all those great nutrients Um, in one prenatal, uh, and the other, another nutrient that seems to be important for pregnancy, fertility, stuff like that is vitamin D. Um, so vitamin D is one that's really tough to get from diets, um, because it's only like in fish and mushrooms and even there, it's not super high. So unless you just eat all fish and mushrooms all the time, you're probably (laughs) not going to get enough, So usually I would say uh, either take a prenatal that has vitamin D in it, take it separately. Um, Also try to get a little bit of sunshine um, here and there, you know, to get it naturally absorb it through your skin. But that can be really tough depending on where you live, depending on how much melanin you have for your skin and stuff. So definitely taking a supplement for vitamin D is helpful.
0: Um, Jeannie, I know when I was pregnant, the internet would scare me about mercury and fish. hmm What do you what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good um point to bring up. So I like to use I use a little chart that kind of gives you the mercury versus the omega-3 content in fish.
0: Oh, this is good.
1: You, yeah. Um, and honestly, if you just like Googled that, you'd probably find it. Um, it's out there. And there's a couple of them actually. So you're just trying to get the lowest mercury, highest omega-3 fish as possible. Those tend to be smaller fish. Um, Things like salmon, sardines, anchovies are all really rich in omega-3 and pretty low in mercury.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, not necessarily the tuna and the soup. Well, sushi, we've been, we can't eat sushi during pregnancy. Is that a
1: yes, we cannot? <laughs> that um, It's not a great idea. <laughs> um, it's all about risk management, right? So you do have a slightly higher risk, right, when you eat raw food that's not cooked that you could get some type, sort of food poisoning right some sort of microbial food poisoning um some of them in particular are really bad for the baby uh so listeria for instance mm-hmm. uh, can cause in in rare instances right but we're we're kind of managing for that rare most horrible instance um can cause like brain damage to the baby encephalopathy is the like fancy word for it but um so you you want to mitigate those risks, right? Mitigate the risk of, of that. So that's why we also don't do raw milk, raw cheese during pregnancy is to avoid that risk. Um, when you say
0: raw milk, raw cheese, how is that different yeah. from?
1: It's non-pasteurized.
0: Ah, uh, got it. Non-pasteurized mm-hmm. milk and cheese. Got it.
1: Yeah, so that it's it's something you can just look on the label and it'll say um, either made whether it's made from raw milk or whether it's pasteurized. Um, and um, a lot of the European cheeses are raw milk, and it is tough to go without them. But there's actually so many other cheeses these days that are pasteurized. But I, I mean, I feel like it's OK. You're going to make it through the nine months. <laughs> There's a lot of really tasty cheese out there that's pasteurized that you can, can enjoy um, throughout your pregnancy. And I would just say, like, I like safer is, you know, I like to be extra safe, uh, even though the risk is pretty low these days. Right. We don't have as much um, foodborne illness as we once did uh, just anything you can do to lower that risk is is a good idea.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to balance, like, for example, when I was pregnant, I would just go down the rabbit hole and read about the stuff. And, you know, Japanese women from the beginning of time have been eating sushi during their pregnancies. So it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of like we want to strike that balance between mitigating risk and then also not driving ourselves crazy.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like there's anything inherent about sushi. Right. That but- is bad for pregnancy. In fact, there's a lot of good things like the omega threes. Um, it's just that you have like a slightly higher risk because it's not cooked. So if you're yes. cooking your foods thoroughly, you're you're cooking away at a lot of like bacteria and viruses that could be in there, right? So yeah, you and work.
0: you know the, the difference here is too that if you're in Japan you might be getting the best sushi in the world, right? Versus me going to
1: Ralph's
0: (laughs) and getting the tuna that looks like it's hot pink, you know? So I think maybe there's a difference there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's what I thought. I, I think there's a difference. And yeah, you know, looking at the quality and where you're getting stuff actually matters too. Especially if you're like, if you're really like, oh my God, I can't make it through this pregnancy without some sushi. Go to the best sushi restaurant where you know they have the highest quality and the highest um health standards, right? Yeah. Um and and go get that and you're probably going to be okay.
0: <laughs> um okay, so the other thing that came up in my pregnancy, so I I have IBS D and I've never had constipation in my life, but during my pregnancy, I was so constipated. So I love that
1: you brought this up. <laughs> It's
0: a thing. I mean, I, it was like, I was like, what is this other side of the world where everything is stuck? So how, how do we help ourselves out with that? Cause it's very common, right?
1: It's super common. Um, super common for a couple of reasons. Our digestion kind of slows down during pregnancy. Uh, so just a little bit of that, um, difficulty getting things through and then if we're taking iron supplements that can actually make it worse because those can bind you up so what can you do um the big threes for pooping daily these this is my my advice to you guys um one number one is fiber 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 um We want both soluble and insoluble fiber, which means we want a lot of sources of fiber. What are our fiber foods? No surprise, fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, whole grains and beans. Beans are a really rich source. Um, So if you can get some beans in or some hummus or something like that, that can be really helpful. Um, Fruit also is super duper helpful. Um, in case of emergency, dried fruit can be super helpful to get things moving a little bit. Um, the other kind of like, I'm really having an issue and I need some, something to really boost things. Um, chia seeds are another thing to try. Um, if you've ever put them into like a little, made a pudding with them or something, you can see that they have the soluble fiber cause they form a little jelly, right? That jelly is the soluble fiber in water. Um, So that can really help get things moving. Psyllium husk, um, which is what Metamucil is made from, but you can just buy it at any grocery store. Um, Well, health food store, I should say. Um, Psyllium husk will get things going too. It's all soluble fiber. So those are kind of my um, emergency go-tos. And then if all of that doesn't work, there are certain supplements that you can take and medications. But uh, the other thing you need is water. So that water for the soluble fiber, right? So if you're not hydrating enough, which is easy to have happen when you're pregnant, um, you're going to have a harder time pooping. Um, And then the last thing you need is movement. So again, these are things like we sometimes don't get enough water because our blood volume's all up and stuff. And we sometimes don't move a lot because we're uncomfortable and um, we're not feeling great and all of that. But we actually do, even if it's just walking, getting that movement in is also really helpful to get things going.
0: Okay, so I know they say for a regular human during the day, um, eight glasses of water a day is perfect. I mean, I don't know who—I think a lot of people do get that. I I struggle all the time to get that. Like, I try all day, and I think I never really get there. For a pregnant woman—
1: yeah, your your hydration needs go way up during pregnancy. And now I'm like, I'm gonna off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what it is, like milliliter wise. Um, but you need to be drinking a lot of water throughout the day. Um, let's just put it that way. Um, I'm not big on exact numbers anyway, because I don't measure uh exactly the number of milliliters, for instance, that I drink. Eight cups is probably a good amount, honestly. Um, but it's not it's also not an exact science, right? You want to drink enough so that you don't feel thirsty. um, And so, and that you don't have any other signs or symptoms of being slightly dehydrated. Um, So like fatigue and like poor skin, uh, dry mouth, stuff like that. So if you're avoiding that, if you're feeling good, if your skin looks good, then you're probably drinking enough water. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. And then is that old thing, like if your pee is clearer, you're in the clear? Is that,
1: is that? That is pretty much right. Um, you know, our, our, if we have really deep yellow pee, you're, unless that this is thing, like if you're taking prenatal, it might screw this up. So (laughs) that you don't really, you can't tell as much because the prenatal is going to color your pee, right? Usually. Um, but yeah, generally that is true. Um, also if you're peeing regularly you know in a regular cadence that's a good sign that you're probably hydrated enough because if and if you got along many hours without peeing that's a good sign that maybe you're not hydrating enough
0: okay I have a personal question yeah why does asparagus make my pee smell like that
1: oh my god uh <laughs> that's, I think the, the sulfur compounds in it but I'm don't I'm not 100% sure. Okay, listen,
0: but, why is that the only vegetable that does that, though?
1: Good question. I do not know. Um, that's a question for a food scientist. Oh, my goodness.
0: Jeannie <laughs> is going to be like, Carrie, you have to no. give me these questions beforehand.
1: No, I just thought <laughs> I of it. I think it's some um, sulfurous. I mean, a lot of those leafy greens have sulfurous compounds, right? That's like why people say the farts are really bad from them, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Okay, I I think I think we're doing good there i don't want to get into the specifics of any complications and having to eat for them because i think that's a different podcast so yeah that's a whole different Mm -hmm. podcast let's let's go to i just had my baby and and uh, more specifically especially in my case i i wasn't able to eat properly the last 24 48 hours because i ended up having a c-section mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm freaking starving. The hospital food's yeah. terrible. Like, wh- how do I get myself back on track once I get home? Uh, to get milk production going, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Um, such a good question. So again, if this is sort of a similar period to that first trimester where to me it's like, what can you tolerate? what sounds good to you? What sounds nourishing to your body? Um, and at the same time, how can you get your protein in? Protein is going to be super essential and important for recovery, right? When we're, Whenever we're recovering in our body, getting enough protein super important for those nutritious new, new tissues to be built. Um, so any high quality protein that you can get. Uh, and then other nutrient dense foods that you can get, like our fruits, our veggies, our nuts, our seeds. Again, I know I'm saying like the same things over and over, but they're the, they're the nutrient dense, really good foods for you. Um, so again, for that postpartum recovery, uh, protein is going to be the one thing you really want to prioritize. And then whatever sounds good and nourishing to your body, I would say, um, is, is important. Cause like for me, I actually had low appetite for the first. Yeah. Like, Jeannie, I was going to ask
0: you, cause you just went through this, your fourth trimester. Like, what did you eat? What did you want to eat?
1: Honestly, it was funny. It was, you know, it's a, it's such a hard time with yeah. that big hormone crash and and everything happening and your life, totally changing. And maybe if you're like me, I'm um in my late thirties. And so I, I'm, I had a whole different, very different life before having a baby. So all that adjustment, um, is tough. And so again, yeah, to me, it's like, what are those nourishing foods? Uh, if you look at some traditional cultures, right, they'll eat a lot of soup and stuff. I think that's a great idea, especially if it's colder out to, to get like bone broth type stuff, right. It's an easy way to get some protein in, um, and some just very nutrient dense food. Um, getting things like, um, a a protein rich soup, um, getting things like if you can throw some cooked veggies in there, right. They're a little easier to tolerate than raw vegetables generally. Um, getting some fruit in there if you can, uh, beans are another really nutrient dense food, but, um, and then getting your carbs too, because you need your energy at that time. Uh, Carbs are our energy food. So if you can get some, I don't know, whole grain toast or some brown rice or some, you know, noodles, things like that is also a really great idea at that time.
0: I feel like the biggest struggle in the fourth trimester is just getting food in your mouth. Yeah.
1: It was so hard for me. I mean,
0: (laughs) uh, like I would do oatmeal a lot because I had heard the rumor that that was good for milk production. Is that true? Mm -hmm.
1: So it is known to be a galactagogue, which is a big term for help with milk production. Um, so I did a bunch of research into galactagogues, and the truth is there isn't a ton of data on them. <laughs> um, that said, I thought I thought oats were helpful, and oats are a really he- healthy food to eat. So why not um, oats and oat milk? I actually was I I drank a lot of oat milk and had like oat milk lattes and stuff, and I thought that was tasty and if you enjoy it it's got some good nutrients in it it might help with breast milk um the other things with breast milk are things like fenugreek um has a little bit of um studies on it and and again it's one of those things it's not going to hurt wait what is that Um, fenugreek it's an herb Uh, it's another it's an herb used in a lot a lot of times used in indian cooking but it can be used in a lot of different cuisines um but you can also take it as a supplement um, oh, one thing I did that I loved—I actually had my best friend happen to be in town, um, and I just asked her to make me um, the cookies that you can make. The um, we called them booby cookies. <laughs> um, they're supposed to be helpful for breastfeeding, and. Honestly, they had all my favorite things in them. I'm not sure how much it helped my breast milk supply, but it was something I could tolerate to eat, first of all. Mm. Um, and it had a lot of nice nutrient-dense food in it. Sorry, I thought I started with my phone. Um, so they had things like nutritional yeast, right, which is uh, a form of – it's a form. It's a source of B vitamins, which are really important for breast milk. Um, And a bunch of different nuts and seeds in them, which again, are really nutrient dense, super, like they have some protein, some uh, healthy fats in them. They have B vitamins, all kinds of great stuff. Um, And then of course, just like regular cookies stuff, (laughs) including some chocolate chips, which made them more palatable to me. Mm. And honestly, at that point, having something tasty and palatable, even if it is a, a cookie, especially if you can throw in some, nutrient dense foods in there, I think it's a great idea.
0: <laughs> okay. So sorry. I want to, I want to go back and ask this question. I, I forgot. Um, caffeine, prenatal and postpartum.
1: Oh, give me my- oh, good question. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's some really decent recommendations that are really doable, which is that while you're pregnant, um, you want to limit it to about 200 milligrams which just like two, tu- two cups of coffee. Um, And then postnatal, it's two to 300 milligrams that you want to limit it to. Um, so yeah, two, three cups of coffee, absolute max, um, you know, the espresso varies. So two shots of espresso, maybe three shots of espresso. It just really depends. Um, it's about, about that. Um, there's one vulnerable period of time, which is really early after you've conceived Where if you have any risk of miscarriage, any increased risk, I should say, of miscarriage, because everybody has a risk of miscarriage at that time, and um, you're really concerned about it, I would say try to not do any caffeine because there's just a little bit of data showing that it increases your risk of miscarriage just by a little bit. Um so for instance if someone's been trying for a really long time, you know, they've had other miscarriages in the past, at that point I'm like, you know what? Let's why take the risk. Let's let's just um for that first uh, like most of the first trimester, I would say, let's just not do caffeine. Um and for most people the stakes are high enough that, that that's what they're right. willing to right. do at that time. Other than that, a cup of coffee or two totally fine throughout pregnancy.
0: If I did three shots of espresso at any time in my life, I would be, like, bouncing off the walls.
1: (laughs) So Well, good for you. I'm not (laughs) like that. (laughs) I was having, before I got pregnant, I was having triple lattes kind of on the (laughs) rags.
0: Well, and it's interesting because it doesn't really help me that much stay awake during the day. It just, because I have such a low tolerance, it just hits, you know, like, I go to, like, that you know, like jittery, my eyes are super like big, even though I have really small eyes, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm like I'm like, whoa, three shots of espresso. But yes, I understand a lot of people, you know, that's their norm for the day. So I understand that's really hard.
1: Um for, it's for one me, of those things where we all vary a lot. Like our yeah. absorption and our tolerance is variable.
0: Yeah. So I wasn't sad about that, that during pregnancy. I was definitely sad about you know, the wine, which for me, I did not have a drop because for me, the risk versus reward structure for that wasn't didn't make any sense because I also have anxiety and it would just make me anxious.
1: Oh, totally. I get that. Um, and that's another one where the, it's like you have to weigh the risks for yourself. It's a personal decision, in my opinion. I really I do think that there's an argument that having like a half a glass of wine is especially during the second and third trimester is very low risk. Um, but again, it's, I I think that's one of those really personal decisions, but uh, obviously you never want to binge drink while you're pregnant. That's a a, no, no, that's not a good idea. (laughs) Right. Uh,
0: and then also for this audience, this is my aerialist population. So super type a generally, um, you know, a little OCD about their working out, you know, this is, this is this population, which is different from the general population for sure. But, um, anything else you would say about that postpartum time and how long does that time really last? Are we talking just about the fourth trimester? Are we talking about six months or nine months?
1: So that's such a good question. I wanted to get to this while we are talking. Um, it, it is more than that fourth trimester. The fourth, fourth trimester is the most intense period of time, I would say, of recovery. It's also the most difficult for those of us who are really athletic and stuff because we have to take it easy. And this was something that was really emphasized to me by all of my care providers was, yeah, Jeannie, I know you're really athletic. I know you love doing aerial and stuff. And you did it until I did it until 32 weeks of pregnancy. Oh, They're Wow. Like- <laughs> they were like, this is a different time, right? This is the exception where you're not going to be different from everybody else. You have to take time for recovery. Um, so at very minimum those six weeks after you can, you can't go back to Ariel. (laughs) Um, but also, uh, it's going to be a long road to getting back to your Pre uh, pregnancy aerial body. And part of that is the prolactin, um, actually, which is the hormone that helps you make breast milk. If you are breastfeeding, this lasts a long time, right? This lasts the whole time that you're breastfeeding. Yeah. Likely. Um, particularly if you haven't started your period yet. That means prolactin is kind of dominant. That means you're not having as much estrogen, right? So you're kind of in a low estrogen body. And to me, it's kind of similar to, uh, to menopause uh, in a way, right? So you're in a low estrogen body. It's harder to build the muscle. Um, so that's, again, why I emphasize the protein. Protein helps us build muscle. So it's very, very important to get enough protein, particularly if you are going back to aerial after that six week wait. Um, Super important to have a lot of patience when you're doing that strength training. Um, It's not going to just magically come back. Uh, You're going to have to do some strength training and eat a lot of protein and take a lot of care of your body and know that it's just going to take longer than it did before, particularly if you're breastfeeding.
0: Yeah, I was breastfeeding for 18 months because this bean would not let go of my boob.
1: (laughs) And Did you notice this? Did it seem like it was taking like I noticed this on my for myself, uh, you know, at four and a half months postpartum now that it's taking longer to build those muscles, and I just have to have some patience. So,
0: are you back to? Do you have a rig at home?
1: I I don't. I have a little uh aerial yoga rig at home, but I also live in Seattle where it rains a lot. It's been raining a ton. So the out it's and it's an outdoor rig.
0: Oh, okay. So, so but have you been back into <laughs> no. the gym?
1: I have been back at the aerial studio. Okay. Um I started about three months postpartum really slowly. Um and you know things are coming back for me. Um and again I'm trying really hard to get a ton of protein uh in fact i'll I'll throw a little extra protein and I, I do like a dessert smoothie some nights and something I, I started doing it a lot more when I was breastfeeding overnight, so I wouldn't get starving in the middle of the night. I'll do like a peanut butter, cocoa powder um banana, and some protein powder um or another source of protein in there um so that i don't and I'll eat that like later in the evening than I normally would eat. But that's really helpful for me for not being starving in the middle of the night when I'm breastfeeding. Um, Jeannie, you're just making me want peanut
0: butter for like an hour. So (laughs) (laughs) no, honestly, I don't know about my strength building because it's always been really challenging. Like I have friends who other things are their challenge, but building muscle is not right. Mm -hmm. That has always been so challenging for me. So I have no idea how much The pregnancy had to do with it. The breastfeeding had to do with it. But for sure, I went through like the last two years of like trying to get back and I'm still not 100% there. And uh, it's frustrating for sure. It's
1: so it is so frustrating, especially if you're used to it. You know, you remember your body remembers when you had that strength. (laughs) Um, That said, I bet. You that breastfeeding for a year and a half affected that as well for you, and and that it it's just made it a little more difficult. Um, but you know, once you're done with that and your cycle comes back, you're you're dealing with a little bit more estrogen dominant body again. Um, you should have more growth hormone, which is what's helping to build that muscle back, right? Um, so it should be a little bit easier after that. And before that, it's just important to have that patience, eat that protein, eat all those nuts and seeds and nutrient-dense foods, get your fruits and veggies, obviously, um, and just have patience, patience with your body.
0: Jeannie, no one in this group of women has patience. I don't know what you're talking about. I I don't know what kind of expectations you have. Everything else you said, everybody's going to be like, I can do that. I'm going to make some salad. I'm going to, you know, have some nuts around, but no one has patience.
1: Well, one thing I will say is doing doing the strength training. So some of us would love to just do aerial and the, have that be our strength training. Aerial is not, it's the using your muscles to the nth degree, right? Yeah. The strength training is things like, doing conditioning exercises, doing yoga can be a really great form of strength, Pilates, stuff like that. So I would say if you can include that in your practice postpartum, it's going to be really helpful for getting that strength back rather than just trying to like jump up on the silks again and go crazy.
0: Yeah. um, You know, Jeannie, right now I'm putting together a three-part video series, uh, like micro my pro- micro progressions to to your error practice like I have I think I have like nine micro progressions into a regular hip key
1: oh wow nice yeah I so love
0: it. I'm gonna that's gonna be soon I mean honestly it was gonna be done really soon and then life just is so busy like I don't know where my like I'm like I can do that in two months that'll totally be finished yeah right
1: Like three, it's like happened so many times since I had my baby where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll be doing exactly the same projects that I was doing before and all these promotions for my business and stuff. It just doesn't I was supposed to launch a course. I thought I would launch a course while I was on maternity leave. <laughs> no, I, 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 am right there now that with you. I think about it. That was supposed to be for hormone health and PCOS, but that's that's now I'm going to work. Now that I have a nanny, I'm like, okay, now is the time I'm going to work on that. Um, uh, I mean, one the other thing, thing I wanted to emphasize yeah, sorry. for postpartum. No, sorry, it was just on my mind. Is getting your pelvic floor health checked out. Um, preferably, you have a pelvic floor PT before you even um, give birth. So that you know where your baseline is, but definitely afterwards, making sure um, that you check that out. And also you check out any ab separation or um, diastasis uh, rectus stuff, Um, because if you have a really bad separation of the abs, you don't want to start doing a bunch of core stuff right away. You have to first work on closing that. Through core stuff, but it's specific core stuff.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, no, I'm 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 that person because I have SIBO and IBSD and a little DR, and those things together do not work well because you're bloating. It doesn't want to go the same direction. It's a it's a journey, Jeannie.
1: Yeah, we should talk about all that stuff in another. Oh well, you know what,
0: Jeannie? <laughs> so I would love to. I, I think I'm just going to have you as my. Uh, my uh uh, what's it called resident dietitian, and I I would love to have you come back on uh not necessarily soon but at some point and talk about your own body your own pregnancy um everything and you know it's a little fresh right now so maybe later on when you have a little bit breathing space from the whole from the whole thing
1: I'd be happy to. I'm a talker. I love to talk about stuff like
0: that. Oh, my God. I, I love that I met you. Everybody I meet from the mamas, Errol uh, Mamas Facebook group is like, we just have so much in common already, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, when you were describing the Taipei and, like, no patients, I was like, oh, yeah, that is, that's me. <laughs> no, I mean,
0: that's every single one of us. There's nobody... I mean, I have, you know, professional or hobbyist, it it is the same across the board. I have a student slash friend who had an ACL tear, and she had to have surgery. And this woman, and, you know, no one's going to stop her. She's got a rig in her house. Like, she's not walking yet, but she's doing aerial without using her legs. Oh, my God. (laughs) So she's doing no leg climb. She's doing all hip keys. She's doing all straddles you know like the hard stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then also like limps off the fabric to her crushes <laughs> you know like and no one's gonna be able to tell her not to so it's like okay she just got to keep her safe her you know big crash mat underneath yeah and uh you know I, I broke my ankle 10 years ago I was doing stuff you know a foot off the ground in the silks gym and I wasn't walking it. You know, I was just doing upper body Uh strength. You know, it's like, was that a great idea? I don't know.
1: But I don't know. I think if you're uh, safe about it, uh, is it crazy? Yeah, but we're we're all a little bit crazy. No, we're we're all that's I guess that's
0: the whole point. There's no one in this group that is not (laughs) slightly bananas (laughs) and doing too many things and, you know, having all the kids and and running their own businesses. And it's it's you know, it's a bunch of badass women who need to cool down usually. Like take take a step back. It's, there's no motivation lacking in this group. So, uh, it's a really interesting and amazing group to speak to because I know those things are are common in all of us, and it's funny to it's funny to address those things sometimes. Um, all right, Jeannie, uh, thank you for being here.
1: You're so welcome. I feel like we always cover so many different topics <laughs> so <that> we talk. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much to Jeannie for joining us once again and imparting some wisdom. You can find her at Veggie Lush Nutrition. I'll link it in the show notes. And before you go, check it out for AR Rehab. So it's going to be for post-surgical, post-injury, if you've taken a long break, or postpartum. Uh, It's the bridge from PT to the air. I'm really excited to get that to you guys all right wonderful to have you if you would honor me with the five-star rating interview anywhere you get your podcast you would have my love thanks so much have a wonderful holiday and i'll see you next time this is expecting your